0: that song. If you've ever been to a baseball game, you have heard that song before. In fact, uh, that is the, the feeling of every person who's ever played the game of baseball, especially if you happen not to be in the starting lineup okay if you're one of those guys who's on the bench Austin I know it's been a long time since you've been on the bench okay bro but every person who's ever played the game Casey it's like put me in coach I'm ready to play I remember one time we were at a ball game and and uh, and I was singing that song man and and and, and I, I kind of felt bad when I did it but I looked at a freshman on the bench and I said put me in coach I'm ready to play And then one of my assistant coaches went, man, Mo, that was kind of mean, okay? But I wasn't putting it in because he wasn't ready to play, okay? But here's the deal, guys. Every person who's ever played the game of baseball, football, whatever, they want to get in a game. They absolutely want to get in a game. It's fun to watch ball games, but it's a whole lot better to play in ball games. Sadly, though, in the church, this is not often the case. But on our way to being a church that is strong and healthy, again, the excitement and the eagerness to get in the game that was illustrated by John Fogarty's field song that we just heard will become the norm around our church again. You see, guys, the same excitement that every kid wants to get in the game needs to have the excitement that you and I have about wanting to get in the game for God. Wanting to do something significant for God. The same idea that that goes beyond, put me in the game, let me play, let me do something significant. That should be what we say here at the church. If you ask a ball player, what position do they play? They should be able to answer that question. Hey, Hunter, wake up over there. All right. What position do you play in baseball? First base. Okay, cool, cool. What position do you play in football? Left tackle. He's not quite as excited about that left tackle as first base, okay? If you'd asked him that question a little while back, he actually used to play quarterback at Franklin, okay? Now he's a tackle. Go figure that one out, okay? Hayden, where you at, bro? What position do you play in baseball? Catcher, okay? You used to try to answer that question differently, but I'm glad you finally realized that you're a catcher. What position do you play in football? Linebacker. Very good, very good. You see, guys, if you ask people their question, now now you notice I didn't ask... um, Brother Rick, no offense, I didn't ask you, okay? Because, you know, you and I now, we've reached that age where, where we're the coaches, okay? We just show up with the sandwiches, okay? And now we put the lineup together, and, and if somebody goes down and really gets banged up, we think about going in the game. <sighs> but, but, but you know how that goes, right? Okay? But here's the deal, guys. You ask any ball player, what position do they play? They can answer that question. But what if somebody came to you and and said, Alan, what position do you play at the church? Okay, now he can answer that question because he's on staff at his church. And he would say, I'm an associate pastor. I'm the youth pastor. I do this, this and this. But guess what, guys? Every one of us in the church should be able to answer that question. Because Sister Josie, is it important that that Berwick High School has a pretty good linebacker? Yes, it is. But it's even more important that we at LCC Berwick have people in the right place at the right time to do the right job. Amen? So guys, at the end of this sermon, I hope that every one of us, just as quickly as Hunter was able to answer what position he plays in sports, what position Hayden plays in sports, you and I, Sister Wanda, could answer what position do we play in the kingdom of God. Because is sports important? A little bit but the kingdom of God is of ultimate importance. Amen. So with God's help today, I hope that as we look in the scriptures, the Lord will speak to our hearts and he will help us to realize that every one of us here has got a place to play. Every one of us here has got a position that if we don't fill, man, the job might just not get done. As I mentioned, sports are really fun to watch, but they're even more fun to play. And doing the work of the kingdom at your local church is much more enjoyable and profitable for you if you get in the game. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for an opportunity this morning, Lord, to get in the game. Lord, I pray today the same excitement that, that we think about when we think about sports and we think about those things, we begin to get excited when we think about the things that you are doing. Because God... Five years from now, we'll forget the results of the game. But five, ten years from now, we'll still see the results of the efforts that we've given for you. Lives being changed, marriages being put back together, people's lives being transformed. Lord, help us to realize today that there is a game to play. There's a a win to get. There's a victory to be won. Help us, Lord, to find our place to get in the game and do great things for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say... Amen. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles this morning, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Amen. He's excited. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I'm going to read verses 12 through about 30, I believe. So let's read them quickly. Verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized unto one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink unto one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if it were all one member, where where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body." And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of me, nor again the the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have become abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, all prophets, all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Paul here is telling us about how a strong and healthy church should work. This is where he's trying to describe how a church that is rightly run, that is doing things well, should be put together. He tells us that that the, the church is compared to our bodies. He even calls the church the body of Christ. His point here is just like God in his infinite wisdom put our human bodies together with many varying parts working as one in our human bodies in the same way a strong and healthy church will be made up of many different people with different abilities and gifts. But like our human bodies, they should function as one body, the body of Christ. Let's examine a few truths from this passage this morning. Number one, a strong and a healthy church functions as one body. Okay? Verse number 20 said it this way. But now are there many members yet one body. You know, guys, every time you look in the mirror, you see that one body, okay? You notice that that one body's hair got a little messed up last night. You notice that because you ate two or three plates of that jambalaya yesterday at the wedding, that there's a little extra on the sides of that one body, okay? There was a day I used to get in the mirror and flex a little bit. I just avoid mirrors now, okay? Casey, can you relate? You know, being being a Marine, man, there was probably a day it's like, man, that, that arm looks good, you know, I, I don't even want to see the arm right now, okay? The good news is Tammy still thinks it's cute. That's all that really matters, okay? But uh, here's the deal, guys. We, we, our bodies change. Can anybody get a witness? Our bodies change. Everything changes. But Paul was trying to tell us that a strong and healthy church functions as one. This speaks to unity, which is essential for a church to accomplish what God intends for it to do. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 133. It's an amazing scripture. Psalm 133. Verse number one. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Man, that is so good. In fact, he illustrates it by going on in verses 2 and 3. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. What is God saying right there? God's saying that when you get in unity, when you do things right, church, he blesses it. Now, that sounds way too simple, doesn't it? But guess what, guys? There's nothing really complicated about this gospel. We just have to do things God's way. You see, guys, God blesses unity. I believe this is a main reason why this church has grown from 27 people on our first Sunday. Sister Eloise, do you remember our first Sunday way back in September? 27 people. That's counting the four Senecas to three or four times that this morning. Guys, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Is it anything I've done? No. In spite of what you said, Brother J.D., it ain't me. I promise you. Okay? It's not my wife, even though she's pretty doggone good. Okay? It's what the Lord has done because we've started to do things His way. We've got on the same page. We've we've realized that blessings follow obedience and blessings follow unity. Now, let me tell you what unity is not. Unity is not blind loyalty, okay? If I say, let's go jump in the bayou, I hope you don't go jump, okay? I hope you scratch your head and go, man, that, 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 something must have been wrong with that honey he put on his biscuits this morning. By the way, Michael, it wasn't your honey, so it wasn't near as good, because your honey, out of this world, okay? By the way, if you want some fresh honey, talk to Michael. It's for sale. You notice I'm, I'm glad I, I said it's for sale, okay? Because he'd be like, can't give it all away, preacher. But it's for sale, best honey I've ever had in my life, okay? That's not in my notes. I just got to thinking about it. But unity is not blind loyalty. It's just not bobbleheads. We, we don't need a congregation of bobbleheads, okay? You, you'd get dizzy, okay? But here's what unity is. Unity, uh, let me say it this way. Do you know it's okay in the body of Christ to disagree? Did you know that? It's okay in the body of Christ to disagree. Like, for instance, Sister Eloise and I disagree on our favorite football team in the pros, Okay? I I have the mind of Christ and I'm a Saints fan and she likes that that team from Atlanta, okay? So but it's okay. We both love Jesus. I'm right, she's wrong. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Um, it's okay for us to disagree on those things, okay? Uh, When it comes to college football, hopefully we all have the mind of Christ. You know, heaven is purple and gold, in case you're wondering. So that makes us all Tiger fans, okay? Okay. If you're an Alabama fan, we'll pray for you, okay? We'll go to one of these side rooms, because there will be a deliverance there, I promise, okay? By the way, if you're a Bama fan, don't tell me, because that would just really... It might not grieve the Holy Spirit, but it would grieve me, okay? And since I'm preaching this morning, don't need that distraction, okay? But it's okay for us to disagree. It's really okay, okay? You might like vegetables. Uh, vegetables are... are Man, that's what we're supposed to feed animals, and we eat animals. Okay, so if you're in the if you're a PETA fan, bless your heart. Okay, but but hey, we um uh, we uh it's okay to disagree. It's okay for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing: we can't be disagreeable. See, I've met a lot of people in church that they they can they can't disagree without being disagreeable. You ever met somebody like that? You ever met somebody like that? It's okay to disagree, brother Bernie. It's okay for you and me to disagree, but just don't be disagreeable about it. Don't throw stuff at me. That's not, only Miss Chantel can do that. Okay? Don't do that. It's okay to be to disagree without being disagreeable. And so many churches have had trouble and have even just gone through grief and heartache because they didn't know how to properly disagree. They didn't realize that we can still love Jesus and just agree to disagree on on who our favorite team is or on what color the wall should be or what song we should sing. But all these crazy things have messed churches up because we didn't know how to act. Amen? So guys, it's okay to disagree without being disagreeable. Strong and healthy churches are in unity when it comes to some important things. What are those important things? Number one, vision. Number two, purpose. Number three, core values. Those are things that if you're going to call Lighthouse Community Church your home, we got to be on the same page with, okay? It's okay for you to be an Atlanta fan. Go sit next to Sister Eloise. She'll love you, okay? It's okay for you to to, to want pink on the walls. It's not going to happen, but it's okay for you to want that, okay? It's okay for you to want you to pastor or wear suits, but that ain't going to happen either. You'll get pink on the walls first, okay? It's okay for all this stuff for us to disagree. Agree, but as long as we're not disagreeable. But here are some things that we better agree on. We better agree on the vision that we're going to be strong and healthy again. Guys, if you don't want your church to be strong and healthy again, what do you want? <laughs> You want a circus? (laughs) We've had that before. That's no fun. Okay? We want to make sure that we're strong and healthy again. That's our vision. That's what we're shooting for. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission locally, globally, by loving God, loving people, and navigating life together like a bunch of believers should. Guys, it's our job to navigate life together. We want to do life together. We're in this thing together. So what are some core values? Some core values are really pretty simple. Those are things that, that we truly believe in strongly, okay? These are things that, that are non-negotiables. We believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Friends, he's our savior, he's our healer, he's our deliverer, he's our soon-coming king. He's all those things. If you, if you question that, wow, I set an appointment with me this week, and Miss Chantel, give me a couple hours, okay? Because you're missing the boat. Guys, we believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ around here. This is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. Amen? And when we realize that, all of a sudden, good things begin to happen. Also, we believe that people matter around here. So we will love people unconditionally just like Jesus does. We're going to love every person who walks in those doors. We're not going to judge them. We're going to love them. Amen? When you're, when you're tempted to judge, love instead. Because, guys, our goal, our job is not to judge. That's Jesus' job. Okay? Our job is to love. Now, if we can love them to Jesus, guess what? Well, I tell you what. Jesus can clean people up a lot better than you or I can. Amen? This book is not full of rules and regulations. This book is full of love letters. Love letters from a loving God to his people. Amen? So we need to love people. We're also going to create a culture of honor. And we're not just going to talk about honor. We're going to truly honor people. Those Those of you 25 strong that elected me and Chantel as your pastors some 10 months ago, we're going to honor you. Sister Eloise, I'm going to be teasing you about Atlanta till Jesus comes back. Okay? But I'm going to honor you. I love you. I thank you for what you've meant to this church, for what you do for this church. Guys, we're going to honor you. Sister Garland, I honor you for your years and years and years of service. And I want a few more out of you. Okay? We honor that. We don't just talk about it. You know, so many churches, so many ministries, when they're done with people, they're done with you. They use you up and they throw you away. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the God I serve. And maybe the God of this world, that ain't the God I serve. We believe in a culture of honor. Why? Because people... Matter, amen. Because people matter, missions is important. Next next Sunday, we've got a young couple that have decided to spend their life in Africa that are going to join us for a little missions window. Uh, Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio, one of the most amazing young couples you'll ever meet. They'll spend some time in Sunday school with our teenagers. It's going to be out of this world. This is a young couple that love Jesus with all of their heart. Why am I letting them come to our church? Because we love missions. We love people. People matter. So missions is so very important. Your regular giving to missions, that's important. It's getting invested wisely into missionaries that we support. Speed the light, BGMC, light for the lost. Those are all important things. But here's the deal. We're not just going to send money. We're not just going to throw money at the problem. We're not the government, okay? The government just throws money at the problem. How does that work? No, we believe in making strategic investments, not just around the world, but right next door. It's why we're partnering with St. Mary Outreach. It's why we're trying to reach our community in an effective way. What is that? That's a core value of ours. Missions and outreach is important. Also, we are a family. We are a family. We do life together. We will make investments in your marriage, in your children, in your teenagers. Why? Because we care about your family. Guys, we just don't want to be there to help you pick up the pieces when everything goes to pot. No, we want to make investments on the front end so it doesn't blow up. Okay? You know what guys, I have a I have a really nice vehicle the Lord blessed us with, okay? And and guess what? I do regular maintenance on that vehicle, why JD, cuz I don't want it to leave it stranded, okay? You, 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 we got a new vehicle about the same time. You just had to wreck your old one to get one, okay? But, but, but you got one nonetheless. You, you take care of that thing, don't you? You check the oil, you, you kick the tires, you make sure everything's in order. Why? Because you don't want that thing to leave you stranded. Guys, it's the same thing with your marriage. Some of you, you do nothing for your marriage and you're going to wonder what, what's going to happen one day when he, when she wakes up and goes, I've had enough. That's what happens when you get up in the morning and the truck won't start, okay? You got to do some maintenance, and we believe in your family. That's why we're doing Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. That's why we're making those investments in your family. And then finally, we believe that prayer and the presence of God is absolutely necessary to accomplish all that God wants to do. You know what, guys? Everything I talked about... We, we could try to do in our flesh. We could try to work harder and make it happen. But guys, whatever you build in the flesh, you got to sustain in the flesh. And the kingdom of God is not about those things. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God. Because guess what? I can be very compelling, but I can't save a soul. I can't change a life. But we serve a God who can and will. Amen? Because those are core values. That's what we believe in. And unity of purpose is essential for us to be functional as one body. You know, think about it. There have been some times that this church has been through some tough times. It's because you forgot the purpose. You forgot the why. People lose their way because they forget their why. Let me say that again. People lose their way because they forget their why. Don't ever forget the why of what we do. Amen? That's what the church is supposed to do. So, a strong and healthy church functions as one body. Number two, we all have a different part to play in the body. We all have a different part to play. Look at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. We all have a different part to play. Paul made comparisons between the foot and the hand. They're very different. Your foot down there, your hand up here, they have different functions. You can do things with your hand you can't do with your foot. Your hand hopefully smells a little better than your foot, okay? Um, My nails look a lot better on my hand than on my foot, okay? My wife says, cover them old feet up, okay? Guys, we have different functions, that's how it is in the, in the kingdom of God. Strong and healthy churches are full of people who understand what their role is. You see, guys, now in sports, it's, it's pretty clear cut. I watched the interview a few weeks, uh, a couple months ago from Tony Robichaud, who's the head baseball coach of of University of Louisiana Lafayette. They've been very, very successful in his years of the coach there. And he was talking about how kids have different roles and especially young folks who just joined the team, they they think their role is you need a superstar and I'm it. And Tony says, No. Here's what your role is, what I tell you your role is. Now Tony's been winning for twenty five years, so that works there. So in the in the sports world it's it's really clear cut and and sometimes they can hurt your feelings. You ever Austin, you ever had a coach hurt your feelings? Yeah, it happens, huh? Hunter, you ever had a coach hurt your feelings? Heck, I've hurt your feelings before, okay? And I'll probably do it again, okay? We need to really pray for Hunter's coach this year, okay? By the way, that, that, that's me. <laughs> I'm gonna be helping out at the high school a little bit with the offensive line and, and I'm really glad I'm not the linebacker's coach, cause, cause me and that linebacker, we would clash a lot more than me and our left tackle. Okay? But pray for Hunter's coach, Zach. He needs wisdom. Okay? He needs wisdom. But here's the deal, guys. In, in the sports world, it's really cut and dry. Okay? It's really cut and dry. Here's your role. Here's what it is. Now, now, on the first day of practice, you ask everybody, who wants to play quarterback? Everybody wants to play quarterback, okay? It's kind of like in baseball. Who wants to play shortstop? Everybody wants to play shortstop. You got kids, couldn't throw it from shortstop to second base. They want to play shortstop, okay? That's what right field's for, okay? In little boy baseball, some of you are like, wait a second, my grandkid played right field. Okay, As they get older, it's not so bad, okay? But, 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 but here's the deal. We, we all sometimes want to do something we ought not do. And you know what, sadly, sometimes in the church we let people do that. What are we thinking? See, here's the deal. Your role in the church should go along with your giftedness. If you are an introvert, I mean, if you are somebody who just, it's all about you and your little world, we probably shouldn't have you greeting people at the front door, okay? We want somebody with a big smile. We want somebody who'll make a joke. We, want, we don't want someone, come on in. Come on in. Okay? We don't want that. Okay? We don't want that. You ever been to a church that had that guy at the front door? I used to pastor that church. Okay? Bro, we had a guy. I mean, man, he's still alive, so I ain't gonna tell that story. But we had a guy at the front door at our church in Dizalmas, ought not been at the front door. Okay? I mean, you could smell him from the parking lot. That ain't who you want greeting. By the way, ushers, greeters, we have these, these amazing little things called mints. Okay, they're for a reason. Okay, if, if anybody goes out in this church, it should be in the altars during prayer time. Uh, it, it's not when you greet them at the front door. Use these things, okay? They're of God, okay? Haven't you also noticed that the folks with the worst breath, they get the closest to you? It'd be okay, Shane, if they stay way over here. But they, sisters, you ever met somebody like that? They invade your personal zone and they ought not. By the way, in case you're wondering, I'm off my notes now. But it's always good when I get off my notes. But here's the deal. You should be doing something that's in your giftedness, okay? Man, let's talk about singing, okay? If you can't sing better than me, you ought not be up there, okay? Now, now, now you can laugh at me because you know your pastor has a rule. Singers sing, preachers preach, okay? I don't sing, okay? If I ever try, y'all mute me, okay? I'm preaching right now, so it's okay. But if I start belting stuff out, Jesse, just hit that little red button, okay? Trust me, everybody will appreciate it. So again, you got to use your giftedness. you got to have some ability in some different areas. Look, if you don't know how to teach, we all not have you in a Sunday school class, okay? Um, again, we, we, we need to work to our abilities. And sometimes the church doesn't do a great job of that. All right, the the different parts that we have to play should line up with your gifts and your abilities. Amen? Lord, help us to get people in the right places. Also, do you realize that your role can and often will change over time? Brother Donna, you're going to put a list up there for me. These are some of the different things that your pastor has done in ministry over the last 20 plus years okay now this is not an all-inclusive list I promise you okay but these are just some of the things that I've done I've been a pastor been a youth pastor been an associate pastor been a Sunday school teacher been a janitor okay some of you were liking this list but but this is ministry Alan take notes this is ministry I've been a janitor I've been a plumber. I'm not going to turn around and prove it. I've been an electrician. I've been a painter. I've been a handyman. Been a choir member. It was a very large choir, okay? And I was very far in the back, okay? In fact, you want to know how I became youth pastor? They couldn't figure out a way to fire me from the choir. So they made me the youth pastor. You can't make this stuff up. Only in the church world would that happen. I've been a backup singer. Been a backup singer. It gets better. Next list. I've been a worship leader. Let me tell you that story. I was a youth pastor and, and, and our, our worship was, was terrible. I mean, just terrible. Okay? So I, I fired everybody. And I said, I'm going to do it. Guess what? Somebody stepped up the next week. Can you believe that? I only had to do it one time and somebody stepped up. I've been a bus or a van driver, been a Royal Ranger commander, been a youth sponsor, been a nursery worker. Remember one time me and Chantel were in the nursery. One of us belonged, one of us didn't. I've been a sound guy, praise God for sound guys, been a media guy, been a pest guy, been a, I've been just a pest too. I've been a yard man, then, some of the stuff we did at the district level. I was the district CE director. That's kind of Sunday school and that kind of stuff. District men's director, BGMC state director, Life of Law state director. Keep going. Um, camp stuff. Yeah, we did some stuff at camp. I was the camp director. I was the camp manager. I was a camp counselor. I was the camp maintenance guy. You, you're getting a common theme right here a lot of maintenance, okay? I've been a convoy, a hope director. I think if you'll just kind of click one more time, Brother Donald. Been a hurricane relief director, hurricane relief worker. Hopefully we don't have to do any of that nonsense this year. Been a missions convention director, been a missions trip coordinator, been a missions speaker, been a secretary... You know, every now and then when you call the church and I answer, okay? But that, I'm not counting that. I, I've been a real secretary. i uh, been a treasurer, okay? been an usher. By the way, I'm not very good at ushering, okay? I, you know, these ushers make it look good, but preachers don't make good ushers, okay? I, I, I make funny looks at po- folks when we're passing the, 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 the plate. I'm like, okay? But, but I've been one of those. I've been a greeter, okay? I took mints and I took a shower and, and I was a greeter. I've been a prayer and altar worker, done that before. Been a catcher, and I'm not talking about baseball. You Pentecostal people know what I'm talking about, right? What is a catcher? That's the person who stands behind the person being prayed for. There's a reason for that. Some of you Baptist people are just confused really bad right now. I've been the guy that locked and unlocked the church and several more things that I've forgotten over the years. In addition, I've moved hundreds of tables, thousands of chairs, have driven tens of thousands of miles in church vans or buses with screaming teenagers and sometimes adults, and folks who ask to stop for a bathroom every 30 minutes. Casey, doesn't that drive you wild? You you got a, a van full of girls. You understand. You feel my pain, don't you, right now? Hey, and after all this, I can still say I love Jesus and I love the church. Amen? So guys... That's some of the stuff I've done down through the years. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because our roles change. Some of those things I'm glad I don't do anymore. Some of those things you should be glad I don't do anymore, okay? Aren't you glad I don't sing, okay? Aren't you glad? Thank you. I got a good amen right there, okay? Uh, these, our roles change sometimes, guys. So when and how will my role change? Well, God can begin speaking to you about a change, or maybe your pastor can ask you to make a change. We, we've done that recently with some people. Why? Because we think there's a place that you would fit better. Guys, if you are a square peg and you've been trying to pound yourself into a round hole, it just ain't going to work. But sadly, the church keeps doing it. Do You know the definition, definition of insanity? Doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. Guys, if you keep coming up against a brick wall, maybe it's because you're trying to do the wrong thing. Ask the Lord to reveal to you, Lord, what should I be doing? So sometimes God will nudge you, sometimes the pastor will nudge you. Remember that this is all in an effort to get you in the right place, playing the right position so that we as a church can accomplish great things. You know, I'm a big fan of John Maxwell teaching... He tells a story of way back in his high school days, John used to play some basketball. And he said at the beginning of every season, the coach would take the starting five, the five starters, the center, the two forwards, and the two guards, and he would make them all play a different position. He would make the center be the point guard, okay? He'd move the forwards to guards and the guards to forwards. So their starting five, the five best players, were playing different positions. And they would play a scrimmage against the second team okay now these are the guys that are not quite as good as the starting five but the second team would play their normal position guess who won that game every time the second team why because they were playing the position they were used to playing that illustrates to us the importance of playing the correct role okay i mean look guys You got a guy six foot ten, you want him down by the bucket. He can make some, he can do some damage there. You don't want him dribbling the ball out front. It doesn't work very well, unless your name's Kevin Durant or LeBron James, okay? But here's the deal every year, the the first team would get so frustrated because they're getting beat by a team that's not as good as they are, but they were out of position. Guys, you and I need to realize that God wants us in the right position. Because there is a game for us to play, and there is a victory for us to win, and it's too important to miss out on. So God, help us to get in the right position, to do the right thing, to listen to good coaching so we can accomplish great things. Number three, all parts are important. All parts are important. Let's look at verses 21 through 27. "...and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary." Those members of the body which we think are less honorable, upon these we've more honor. And uncomely parts have more comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh. That there should be no schism in the body, that the members of the body have the same care one for another. We can stop right there. Guys, all parts in our body are important, Okay? See, no role in the body of Christ is insignificant. In fact, in the example of our body, Paul uses the unseen parts of our body are much more important than the seen parts. Guys, you can live without an ear, okay? You can live without an eye. You can live without a nose, okay? People do it. But you cannot live without brain function. You cannot live without a heart, your lungs, or your liver. Those things that we do not see in our body are the most important parts. And I think the same can be said for the church. Okay? See, sadly, so many times in the church, we think, some in the church believe that ministry is all about this stage. It's all about getting this microphone. It's all about getting one of those microphones. It's all about doing something that people can see. But guys, the key to a strong and healthy church is what's done behind the scenes. At Monday night prayer, or maybe in your personal prayer closet, only eternity will tell the true results of your prayers for your church, your family, and your pastor. I'd like to take a moment to say thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for the Seneca family. Thank you for praying for your pastor. You know, in the five years that I was in the district office, you know what I miss the most about pastoring? Oh, I miss getting some of those cakes that I get. Those of you that have cooked, thank you so much. I I miss some of the different things that, that we get to do. I miss doing weddings and that kind of cool stuff. But you know what I miss the most? I miss the most knowing that somebody was praying for. Because there were ladies in my church that told me they were, okay? You know what I want to say thank you for? I want to say thank you for praying for me. Sister Eloise, thank you. Thank you for putting up with my Atlanta jokes and praying for us, okay? Sister Josie, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for praying for the Seneca family. It makes a difference. Sister Debbie, thank you for praying. Man, I could go and name each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for praying. Why? Because it's making a difference. Amen? Amen. It may not be something anybody else sees. It may not be something anybody else notices, but I notice it. I feel it. It makes a difference. Amen? And that's how the kingdom of God is supposed to be. Those things that are behind the scenes are the most vitally important. See, much goes on behind the scenes. You ever tried to do church without nursery? I have, it's not very much fun. Okay. I promise you that children always get more attention than the pastor. Okay. It's always been that way. By the way, Miss Rita, that was in my notes before you brought your little grandbaby. Okay. I promise you. Okay. But, but we do have a cry room. If anybody ever noticed that we have a cry room right over there, you get to see a video and the sound. And I think there's an air conditioner that blows right on you. It's kind of cool in there. Okay. How do you know? Well, I just checked it out one time. Okay. But here's the deal guys there's a reason why we have nursery. There's a reason why we have kids' church. Because if we had all your kids, Shana, if we had the whole dinger crew on that pew, and y'all fill up the pew, it's kind of cool, okay? Would you be getting anything out of this sermon? Nothing, okay? Guess what? This old church wouldn't be getting anything out of here. Because we'd be watching Charles crawl up under the pew. And, and, and you know how that goes. Thank you to those who, who pray. Thank you for those who are behind the scenes in nursery, happy church, missionettes, rangers, cleaning ministry, yard ministry, all the different things that you do. Thank you. Lighthouse Community Church Berwick would not be well on its way to becoming strong and healthy again without people like you. And then finally, the last point today God has put this body together. For a purpose. God has put LCC Berwick together for his purpose. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18, Paul says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. Guys, did you realize that you are not here by mistake? You who have come here in the last year, you're here for a purpose. God has sent you to do the work of God at this church. Those of you who have been here for decades, thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for when, when, when so many others tapped out and said, I've had enough. Thank you for being willing to hang in there. Brother Rick, Sister Debbie, thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for believing that, you know what, God can still do it because he still can. Amen? Thank you. Nobody is here by mistake. Psalm 127.1 says this. Except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Guys, God is building this church. God has put us together for such a time as this. You know, way back when the New York Yankees were a pretty good baseball team. Hunter, you'll like this. Okay? And it was said about the old Yankee Stadium that that was the house that Ruth built. Babe Ruth was maybe the greatest home run hitter of that time. And, and it was the place that he built. He established them. Guys, let it be said of LCC Berwick that this is the house that God built. Amen? That this is the place that no man built, but this is the place that God has built. Our God is building. Amen? Guys, the truth of the matter is, we need him. We need his presence. We need his power. We need more of him in this church, in your family, and in our lives. Christy, if you'd come, play softly for me. As we wrap things up, on our way to becoming strong and healthy again, let's remember these simple points. Number one, we must function as one body. Number two, we all have a different part to play. And it's important for you to find that part and do it. We are all important. There's no unimportant parts in the body of Christ. And finally, God has put us together for his purposes. God has a plan. He has a plan for this community. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for your family. And he's put us all together for such a time as this. I close with a little story that you may have heard before, but it talks about the importance of finding your place, finding what God wants you to do. You see, once upon a time, there were four people named everybody, somebody, nobody, and anybody. When there was an important job to be done, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. When nobody did it, everybody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that somebody would do it, but nobody realized that nobody would do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. The story of the bodies. Everybody has a purpose in the church. If you are not doing what God has called you to do, what God wants done may not get done. Would to God that like we started this service, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. That same kind of excitement would get on you and I as we realize that we have a part to play, that there is something significant that he wants done through you, through him at this church. Lord, you're the coach, put me in, I'm ready to play.